Welcome to the program. I'm Jeff Sheckman. Even when we don't realize that everyday science is part of our lives, physics, chemistry, biology, it's all essential to our life and even to our survival. But why is the general subject of science so confusing these days? Why do laymen think that they know better than scientists? And perhaps most importantly, at a time when everything else is advancing, when the cutting edge of science itself impacts us all, how have the methodologies of science kept pace with modernity? Perhaps we're all stuck in the mindset of high school science class, and maybe that's why we can't progress in our thinking. My guest, James Zimmerine, addresses this in his new book, What Science Is and How It Really Works. James Zimmerine is a professor of pathology at the University of Virginia, where he pursues basic and translational research in the field of transfusion medicine and blood biology. He has an MD and a PhD in immunology and has published over 120 research articles. It is my pleasure to welcome James Zimmerine here to talk about what science is and how it really works. James, thanks so much for joining us. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. One of the things that I was thinking about, I mentioned it in the introduction, in, in, in thinking about talking to you today, was this whole idea that we're, we are understanding of science sometimes is so limited and so shaped by kind of, you know, high school science that that in many ways shapes the worst attitudes about science today. Well, I think that's correct, and I, I will spare you the slings and arrows of my own <laughs> high school experiences. But, uh, you know, when we study science in school, at least up to the graduate level, what we are doing typically is learning the body of what science current, currently believes are the facts of the matter, and they're stated as claims of fact. We're seldom taught what the basis for these claims are from a logical standpoint, from an evidentiary standpoint. And even when that is taught, it's typically taught in what I would say is a fictional narrative that doesn't really reflect how science works. And so most people come out of their education with an understanding of what science claims, but not an understanding of why the nature of a scientific claim is different from claims made by other fields, and it's a problem. The other aspect of it is the way in which science works, and you talk about this, has progressed over the years, the way scientists go about their work and reach the conclusions they do has really progressed over the, the past number of years as the science itself has progressed. It has changed over the centuries quite remarkably uh, to an extent that some people would say, well, there is no scientific method. There is no one thing here. But if you frame uh, scientific work as a methodology that includes trying to minimize or eliminate errors, over the centuries we've become aware of more and different types of errors and so the methods have changed to take into account the new errors of which we're aware and try to approach natural phenomena to, so that we, we get things right, basically. So if you look at it in that way, it's one sort of common theme. But, it, but not understanding that, it looks like it's changing constantly. I and mean, even in the last century, we've learned about human cognition and the time, types of thinking errors and errors in observation that humans make. And it's very humbling, you know, all of us being humans and all, uh, but it's really, it's, it's really a problem. And so uh, scientific methods adapt to uh, these sources of error, and that's one of the things that's quite special about science, in my view. 
Has the complexity of science today entered into this discussion in any way, the fact that everything is more complicated than it once was? Well, you know, <laughs> everything may be more complicated than it once was, but nature hasn't changed. You know, nature is what it has always been, and our ability to to understand it is increasing because we are able to observe more and more parts of nature than we ever could. And it does create the appearance of complexity. But at the end of the day, in many cases, once we understand nature, it collapses to a fairly simple form. And, and I think that uh, that's one of the goals of science. In many ways, there's a kind of punishment that goes along with progress. As we find out that certain things that we might have accepted may not have been true or may not have been completely true, and we evolve new theories, whether it be in physics, in biology, chemistry, what have you, that, that there's almost a public punishment that goes with that. Well, if, if we found out that wasn't true and something else is true, then nothing is true. That is a major uh, point uh, that I'm trying to make, and thank you for articulating it so clearly. Science has never claimed or, or certainly should never claim to be infallible or to be getting at an absolute truth or to being saying something that cannot be false in the future. But looking at the occasional uh, falsehoods or even you could say the, the periodic, yes, oops, that was wrong, yeah, we were wrong about that, is only looking at part of the equation. You have to take into account how often science gets things right as well. If you look at the technological advancements over the past couple centuries, which, you know, have really been dazzling uh, time and time again. And you say, yeah, sometimes science gets things wrong in the context of all the things that science gets right. Then the, uh, the errors that do happen uh, seem to be, you know, just part of living with life. But it's the best instrument we have for figuring out nature. And so not to use it because on occasion it gets things wrong seems foolish, but people focus on when things uh, are wrong or when science gets things wrong. And in my opinion, that's in part the fault of the scientists because we usually present things in relatively absolute terms instead of qualifying them in, in a more measured way. And, and how science is reported uh, is not how science is done. And that's also a major problem and a disconnect because we don't get that kind of education in high school and college. We expect science to be perfect when, in fact, that's simply not the way it works. But the fact that it's not perfect does not mean that it's not the best tool we have to predict and control natural phenomena. How do, in your view, how can we make the public understand that? As you say, we're, we didn't teach it very well, and we're still not teaching it very well in, in, in K-12 through education. So how do we make the public understand that today? Yeah, that's an interesting question, especially in a time of bumper stickers and sound bites. I want to be sure that, that my comment is not misinterpreted. I have tremendous admiration and respect for teachers of science, teachers of all kinds, uh, who, who in our public school systems and our colleges, and they do an extremely good job of conveying uh, basic scientific understanding, which some people call scientific literacy, and we need to um, uh, applaud them and understand that, that at, for a, a democracy to work, our populace needs to understand um, what science believes is the case today. But to answer your question, uh, that's the purpose I wrote this book, and other scholars are out there working in this field. I think we need a real uh, effort to educate the lay public on 
why scientists scientists claim what they do. And the only way to do that is to, to, to get out there and talk and publish and write and teach and add that on top of our existing science curriculum. If we don't do that, I think that as a society, we're going to continue to be um, confused and misguided uh, by the claims that we hear. And it will continue to cause all kinds of problems as it, as it is now if you look at our debates about, about climate change, whether vaccines cause autism all you know, toxins in the environment, all manner of things, the populace needs to understand what it means when a scientist says this is true or that's happening. And it's a nuanced opinion. There's no simple way to get at it, but we need to uh, have a dialogue. To what extent, though, is pseudoscience, and you talk about this in the book, part of the equation and has to be dealt with as well? So understanding what science is and how, it's work, how it works is its own... Uh, thing that is necessary for us to have a dialogue about. But pseudoscience is part of that dialogue, and it's a part of the dialogue that, in my view, is dangerous, and it victimizes people, that there are all man... So what pseudoscience is, in broad terms, is a system of belief that is making a claim that dresses itself up in the trappings of science with instruments that give readings and theories with abstract terms of undefined things and, you know, models and sometimes mathematics. Uh, but what it is, it is is basically an attempt to take something that is baseless and make it appear as though it has legitimacy. And the inability of, pe- of people to distinguish pseudoscience from science is, is, is causes people to lose money, resources, and in extreme cases, it may cause people to lose their lives if they are uh, turning down a demonstrated medical therapy for the claims of something that are exaggerated or distorted or simply simply incorrect. And so, you know, nutraceuticals, other things that are largely unregulated make all manner of claim. You walk into a certain types of stores and there's a substance there that'll claim to do everything for you. And it'll have terms such as university studied. Right. Well, well, what does that mean? That means someone at a university studied it, but you have no idea what the outcome was or clinically tested. Okay, well, if it was tested clinically, what does that mean? And so this is what pseudoscience is. And um, I'm not saying that all pseudoscientific claims are necessarily false, but they are certainly not tested or true and they present themselves as being correct. And that is a big problem. When one looks at, at, at everything we've been talking about, kind of from 30,000 feet, the problem is that science is under siege from so many different areas. There, there's the educational component, which we've talked about. There's the way in which it has become politicized, which we've touched on. There's the degree to which religion and science have, have intersected in negative ways. And then there's this whole thing of pseudoscience. I mean, no matter which way science turns, there's an attack coming from somewhere. It's true. And the problem we're facing, in my view, is if science gets reduced to just another opinion in the context of natural phenomena, then our society has lost a big fight, it's, it, and we are lost. Now, let me clarify that. Science is an approach that has been developed over centuries to understand the natural world so that we can predict and control uh, and develop technologies. 
And, you know, to your earlier point, although scientific theories of why technologies work sometimes turn out to be wrong, the technologies keep working. Right? We have this, this corpus of things we've figured out that have, that have allowed us to do a great, a great many things. But when uh, science sometimes drifts into areas of theology, it drifts into areas of philosophy, yeah, then it can be a matter of debate. And, and modern science really makes no claims, at least usually, about the big questions, why we're here, et cetera, you know, what's, what's the purpose of humans and what's the meaning of life. But in the context of natural phenomena, the things that happen in the natural world, this is what science specializes in. This is what science does. And if you juxtapose the technological progress science has made in that context to all the other approaches out there, nothing even comes close. And so science is certainly not, it's just another opinion when it comes to broad philosophical and theological questions. But in the context of how the natural world works, science is not just another opinion. It's an opinion based on method, evidence that is meant to mitigate biases that humans make over and over again. And we need to take its claims seriously while understanding that they are not perfect. Has any of this created a, a morale problem within the scientific community? Um, I, 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 obviously, I can't speak to the entire scientific community, but the, the part of the, the scientific apparatus with, with which I routinely deal, I think that it's more a sense of frustration and bewilderment uh, than it is. Uh, I think that we, or scientists in general, are befuddled by the way our society, our broader society, deals with claims in the context of evidence. I mean, even setting aside science, if you look at our current political predicament, we have unlinked evidence from what we are claiming. And there's probably no field more than science that is based in evidence. And so the, the, the diminution of science is part of a broader theme. If we as a society can no longer distinguish what is demonstrated by evidence, can no longer agree upon a common set of basic facts, then that changes the whole nature of our dialogue and science gets, gets swept up in that. And that's part of the process, in my view, of why science is under assault um, from all these different, uh, different ways. You know, science is relatively neutral. It makes claims based on observations. If people don't like the implication of those claims, and therefore become hostile, uh, there's nothing science can do about that because the natural world, you know, is the way it is regardless of whether we like it or not. In many ways, we've reversed the, the course of history with respect to this. In many ways, for so long, science brought up the conversation. It provided, no matter how contentious anything else became, science provided some kind of evidence-based relief in the world. Now, in fact, everything else that is so subjective is bringing science down to its level. Uh, that's one way of looking at it, and it's, it's, it's a relatively fair interpretation, but it, it's, you know, it's a simply an issue of respecting evidence. Now, you know, you can, if you really want to know if the earth is getting warmer, uh, all you got to do is read a thermometer. Right. And, you know, that's, that's, that's all there is to it. And you also have to understand, and this gets in the back, you know, what science is, is that, is that you're looking at averages over time. 
you know, you can have one cold day and a senator can walk into Congress with a snowball in his hand and make snarky comments about, you know, the earth's not getting warmer. But that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about about over time. And you can debate why the earth's getting warmer. As a society, we might have a rational conversation about this and say, you know what, the um, changes that it would take, the economic, social, technological upheavals it would take to address global warming are not worth it, and we're going to let it happen. That would be misguided in my view, but that would be a rational approach. But to deny that the Earth is getting warmer, that is delusion. And that is where the problem really is about are we willing to accept observation and evidence, or are we simply going to demand that the world conforms to our preconceived notions of what we want it to be and ignore nature around us? Has it mattered at all within this scientific debate that technology, which is based on science, has become so much more involved in all of our lives? I don't know. I mean, that's an interesting question. And I, and I, I think that a lot of arguments have been made that uh, with the information age, et cetera, uh, it's changed how we think and interact. Certainly, one of the errors that science has become aware of, you know, is confirmation bias, is that humans as a tendency, and, you know, scientists do this too, so we're trained to try to overcome it, uh, come to the world with preformed opinions and seek evidence that supports their opinions and ignore evidence that refutes it. And in the modern information age where we can, you can go into an echo chamber and hear just what you want to hear, uh, it makes you feel as though you really understand what's going on and that everyone agrees with you and all the evidence supports you and none of the evidence refutes you because you can blind yourself to it. The other day, I did a very um, interesting experiment. I was at home and a, a particular news item broke uh, about, about what's going on in Washington, D.C. right now. And I set my uh, digital video recorder to record MSNBC and Fox News both at 8 o'clock. And then when the segments were over, I watched them both. And, you know, we're all living in the same world. But based upon those two reports, both of them uh, were distorting what was going on and minimizing the contrary point of view for a particular uh, agenda. So that inverts science. That's the opposite of science. Science typically, science should um, take evidence and then base theory on the evidence, not start with a theory and then distort the evidence to support it. That is the antithesis of science. And so I think technology and how information is distributed has certainly had an effect on that. Is this a more American phenomenon as you see it? Um, some of the things you've mentioned seem to be a little bit more American. You know, you had mentioned the, the conflict of religion and science. Historically, science and religion had very little conflict. Uh, in fact, I mean, it, it, there's always been a little bit of tension there. But historically, you know, in, in the Middle Ages and Renaissance, most of the scientists were theologians, or at least were deeply religious people, and they were exploring nature just to demonstrate uh, the greater glory of God. The the tension with religion and science has really come about in the in the 19th and 20th centuries, and it has not been uniquely American, but it's been particularly, uh, um, uh, you know, in, in America. And I think that we struggle more with this than a lot of other societies. That said, other societies certainly have their own problems. For instance, in, in the Soviet Union, uh, there was a, a biologist named Lysenko there 
who who Stalin favored greatly and gave him tremendous power. And they didn't like uh, the theory of evolution for reasons other than evangelists may not like it in the United States. Uh, and so they, they came down on this theory of evolution such that any biologist who tried to report evolutionary findings or talk about evolutionary theory would be arrested and incarcerated and at times executed. So we don't have that kind of problem with science. We have a problem with people just dismissing it because they don't like it or they don't understand it, the beliefs that lead to it, the arguments that lead to it. And I, I hope that that is a simply an issue of misunderstanding and education, and it's not uh, an idea that's diametrically opposed. But But that's my hope. Has it worked out better or worse when there have been individuals that have come along over the years that could popularize science, that, that brought kind of celebrity culture to science? How has that served us? I think that's really helped us in a big way. Um, I would point, for instance, to Carl Sagan, right. who was a public intellectual who not only uh, educated the populace about uh, about astronomy, but strongly... Um, talked about science itself. And um, he has these endless quotes that are so, so wonderful. And I think that he made a real impact. I, so I think, I think we need um, more of that. Uh, Carl Sagan once said, science is a way of thinking much more than it is a body of knowledge. And probably my favorite quote from him uh, is he said, in science, it often happens that scientists say, you know, that's a really good argument. My position is mistaken, and then they would actually change their minds, and you never hear that old view from them again. It doesn't happen as often as it should because scientists are human, and change is sometimes painful, but it happens every day. I cannot recall the last time something like that happened in politics or religion. And I think that we need more people like Carl Sagan out there not espousing a particular political view, not with some agenda, but just explaining what science is, how it works, and why people should take its claims more seriously in the context of natural phenomena and help guide our decisions as, as a society on those claims. James Immering, his book is What Science Is and How It Really Works. James, I thank you so much for spending time with us. It's really been my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you.